Mike Brown is a graduate of the University of Notre Dame, where he served for two years as the iconic Notre Dame leprechaun mascot, the first black student to ever portray the role. Mike is also the founder and CEO of Soulster, a company focused on social impact through books and other forms of storytelling. Mike is the author of two children's books, Little Netta's Gift and The Leprechaun's Game Day at Notre Dame. We talked to Mike about his educational and entrepreneurial journey. This is Scholarships. Thanks for listening. Yeah, let's let's just kick it off. We met at Notre Dame, and I honestly at the time didn't even know like there was a black leprechaun, and that was like your <laughs> that was like your whole thing at first. Um, well, like, but then once I got to get to got to know you, right? Like, I realized like you know your um, uncle was my gym school teacher in middle school. He's probably the first like black, um, like public school teacher that I interacted with positively, right? Like there were other uh, teachers that were nice, but I never really interacted with them. So it was right. like one of those things where um, it was nice to know that we had that in common. And of course we have the Milwaukee connection in common, but you know, just kick it off. Just, you know, tell us about your upbringing. Tell us about like, you know, your educational journey because that's kind of what the podcast is about just like you know the focus on education so yeah yeah absolutely well i mean thanks for having me and thanks for the work you all are doing and and sharing people's stories right i think what you're doing is something that is inspiring people right who may not necessarily hear or see uh, people like uh, that are on your show even yourselves right who are sharing these stories in this journey uh, especially coming out of milwaukee but from wherever you may find yourself coming alive. So thanks for the work y'all are doing and amplifying so many, so many voices. And yeah, so I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I grew up actually on 91st and Brown Deer Road. So it used to be called the North Meadows. Uh, it then it, it was called the Woodlands. I don't know what it's called now, but uh, Northridge was a staple in my life. So ended up going to Granville, which is right tucked away back. Uh, in, in the in the meadows there, I think it's got a new a new name now as an elementary school, and then I went to Morris as my, my middle school, and then Vincent as my high school. And so, but just uh, that that journey w- was great in that uh, Granville is kind of where right I got into a lot of trouble. I was a naughty kid, I was a good kid too, but I got I, just, I was just mischievous, you know what I mean? And so, which is not not unusual. And then going to Morris, it was like, man, you're special. Like, yo, you, you're at Morris now. It's like, whoa, gifted and talented. I'm like, okay, I step up my game. And honestly, I had the worst. Sixth grade was fine, but seventh grade was a, a pivotal time in my life because my life because it was probably my worst year ever academically. My worst year, one of my worst years as a human, <laughs> because I had no respect for anybody. You know, whether it was a teacher, the administrator. Uh, bus driver. I, I just had a, a bad mouth. I had a bad attitude and I didn't feel like doing anything. And so I was just very unmotivated. <laughs> and I had a one point, I think my GPA in Morris, my seventh grade year was a 1.7 at a time. And I was suspended from the bus multiple times. I was, I, I got suspended from school, you know, at least four or five times uh, that, that entire year, at least. <laughs> and and what's interesting about it is I, that that's a time that I feel as though I almost had to go through it uh, in, in a sense, because it's now part of my testimony. And so as part of that journey, uh, there was one of my aunts had a boyfriend at the time. And I hate that money 
factors into this, but it, it's the reality of what happened. So he saw me messing up, getting kicked out of school, get, not getting good grades, knowing I had a solid foundation of people in a nice village around me. And he said, look, Mike, for every A you get, I'm gonna give you like 50 bucks. For every B, $25. For every C, it was like 10 or something. So literally, I went from a 1.7 to a 3.6 with that motivation made, I don't know, 200, whatever, almost 300 bucks. And, yeah, it's crazy honestly, what money to do. Money, 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 make you, money yeah. I'm telling you. Well, we, we, our daughter, she gets an allowance and man, she cleans up the house fast when money's coming due. It's like, she gets it done like that. So, but that, I, I hate that it was that way, but that's what, that, that's what it took for me. And I never turned back. And so I ended up, I applied to go to King, like many people did out of Morris, but I didn't get accepted into King. I ended up, so I ended up going to Vincent. And what's interesting about that, and looking, there's a number of things that are just cycles of, uh, of different moments that, that I just feel like, man, I'm glad I didn't go to King, but ended up going to Vincent, man, I crushed it there. Uh, it was a place where I, I just, I dove in. I mean, I was taking AP classes, right? Uh, sophomore year, I was uh, really pushing myself. I was extremely active in in school, different extracurricular activities, right? I ran track, I played football, I was on the basketball team, but I did track and basketball just to stay in shape <laughs> for football, really. And it, it was just a, a great experience all around. As you mentioned, you were at Vincent, um, and you started to crush it from uh, an academic perspective. At what point uh, did the idea of college sort of uh, pop in your head? And then um, as, as you graduated, what, was your, what were your options? What were you exploring and, and things like that? Sure. So college was, was there from the very beginning. So I remember vividly sitting in the room. It was my freshman year at Vincent. And uh, these, these folks from En-ROADS came and spoke with us. And they were talking about the summer internships and summer uh, academic programs that you could be part of. And at the time, they had something called pre-college. And it was mainly taking classes over the summer that kind of would help you, propel you into your, your following school year. And so at that point, right, the, the program was called pre-college. And so I knew I was going to college somewhere, essentially, at, at that moment. And so I participated in that program every summer. Uh, until really I graduated from, from Notre Dame. <laughs> I was with, uh, through the, in that Airmost program, the entire pre-college period. And then I was in there for the college program as well. But then when it was the college program is when you actually uh, had an internship with the company. And so the, the net of it is, it was from the very beginning of starting high school that I knew I was going to college. I didn't know where, right? I didn't really have an idea the, the main, the two, the two places, I, mean, I guess three that I was going to go were Marquette, Wisconsin, and UW-Milwaukee. So those are your colleges, but you ended up at Notre Dame. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I read an article where you kind of explaining it. Um, there was a, someone at your church, I believe. That, uh, yep. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's where it started. Yep. So my, my grandmother and my mom and my aunt love them all to death. Um, <laughs> every time I would get an award, or athlete, scholar athlete of the week, or you name it, right? If anything would happen and I got something, they would announce it at church in the announcements, right? Like we got usher meeting on Monday, we got this happening. Oh, and Mike Brown won student athlete scholar award. It's like, man, 
every time. Y'all just, you know, I'm like, maybe it needs to be working. So thank God for that because there's a lady at my church. Her name is Lee. Her name is Lee Davis. Lee Davis worked at a company called M&I. It was Marshall and Italy. Uh, at the time, it was M&I Data Services. Lee Davis kept hearing about this guy, Mike Brown, this kid, Mike Brown. Who is this kid? And Lee Davis is the one who invited me to join her company and be part of her team uh, at, at M&I Data Services. And this was in the summer of 96. So this is as I was a rising senior in high school. So I worked at M&I Data Services that summer. Uh, I did four hours there a day, and then I did four hours, finished up the pre-college program at Inroads. And, and at the first lunch date they had for me to welcome me to the team is when I, I <laughs> used to my right, I <laughs> sat next to a guy named Mike Peterson. And Mike Peterson was part of Lee Davis's team. He asked me about my life, right? where I grew up, where my grades were, what school I went to, what, what activities I was involved in. I was like, well, I'm senior class president, I'm captain of the football team. And he's like, what school are you thinking about going to? And I was like, I gave him my list, right? The three I talked to you about just now. And he's like, well, I'm an 83 grad from Notre Dame. Have you considered Notre Dame? And honestly, I didn't know where Notre Dame was. I heard of Notre Dame, right? I, I, say, I had never, yeah. 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 yeah, I, I didn't know. know where, I didn't know. I thought, I thought it was somewhere else. I definitely didn't think it was in Indiana. <laughs> I, I thought it was out. I thought it was like in the Boston area. I thought it was out east somewhere. Yeah, uh, which makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought. Yeah, so that I, I was like, <laughs> I don't know anything about it. I mean, I know I called it, and this goes back to I guess my tennis shoes and and jeans days. I called it a name brand school, right? You think about some of my 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 uh, XJ nine hundreds were not name brands, but Nike was a name brand. So Notre Dame, in my opinion, was like this name brand school that I had never been to and never, you know, really thought about attending. And and he's the one. I mean, I had brochures. He sent me brochures to my house. He had me talk to other students who were there, like the other students, just to talk about their experiences. And he literally came up to Vincent when my application was due. It was a paper application at the time. And he made sure I took the envelope that he had to package everything in. I took it and put it in the mail. He like he he basically that was not a choice. I had to apply to Notre Dame just to at least apply. Now I didn't expect to get in. I didn't know. I mean, I had no. I wasn't born and raised a Notre Dame fan, right? A lot of my Notre Dame friends, man, they've been thinking and dreaming about going to Notre Dame since they were two. That yeah. wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. So it's it was one of those things. And then when I got in, I was like, wow, okay, that's that's cool. Like I got Notre Dame. Like that's awesome. <laughs> but uh, then it came down to right money. I couldn't afford it, and so they gave uh, they they presented their financial aid package, and it covered about fifty percent, like all in. I would say with my outside scholarships and with the package that Notre Dame provided, it was about fifty percent that was that was paid for, and then the other fifty percent I had to pay uh, through loans or working. I was faced with either going to Notre Dame having to take out loans or staying in Milwaukee, going to Marquette, have a full ride stipend in the whole nine. And it was tough. I mean, there was a lot of different factors that went into it, but the main thing, what, I don't wanna say pushed me, but what led me to choosing Notre Dame was I called my pastor, the pastor of my church, Pastor Locke. And I said, man, <laughs> I got these two great schools. Uh, one is a full ride, one's not. You know, one was local, right? Where I'm from, one's not. And 
And he said, well, son, go with your heart. I was like, what's your heart telling you? I was like, Notre Dame. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah, that's man. what happened, man. I'm going wow. to Andy. That's kind of, that. it literally, so then the next, um, you sent a letter, but I forget, was it a letter? I think it was a letter you had to send back that said you want to go. And that's, that's what happened. The, the thing that you're most known for now <laughs> at this moment, you know, uh, is the, the fact that you were the first black or African-American leprechaun. And, um, you know, I actually just saw Dave Portnoy posted something about like, I just feel that, you know, uh, you know, uh, the leprechaun should be ginger and white or something like that. Right. And it, Cause he was talking about the most recent, um, Sam Jackson. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah. He was just talking about the most recent one. And I saw Lynette Wookie, I think it's, yeah, yeah, yep. other. so like, um, I guess what was your, what, what made you, you know, try out for it? And then what was your experience? I guess being, you know, the first black leprechaun at Notre Dame. Yeah, so so my, my I tried out for it because my roommates and my section people in my dorm, uh, they convinced me to do it. So it was in the fall of my sophomore year, where uh, we were at a game. They're like, Mike, you should. That's you down there. You should be the leprechaun. I had a lot of energy, spirit, passion, and it just. I mean, I'm at a game with eighty thousand people. Are you kidding me? We're having a good time, and so that that's that's what started it in terms of the idea of doing it. And then I applied actually to London. I applied to go abroad uh, to study in London. I would have studied there in my junior year uh, at Notre Dame. And so that's what I expected to do. And so I wasn't going to try out for Leprechaun had I be had I been accepted to the London program. And so I thank God to this day <laughs> that I did not get into the London program because two months after they getting that letter that I didn't get in, I ended up trying out. Yeah. to be the leprechaun and so i call it my london letter and so that's, a, that's something that i always keep keep close and something don't necessarily go the way you want it and and that's something that i never would have imagined what would have happened after that like had i gone to london man i would have been double broke because it's more expensive to live there would have to take out more loans and, and then i wouldn't have tried out the leprechaun right so yeah yeah, yeah so i mean i try it out man it's a it's, it's a crazy experience because I mean, you you get put through a, a whole tryout process in which you you do you lead a mock pep rally, and you're doing cheers and you're giving a speech and you're getting rah rah with, with the crowd. It's an open tryout, so everybody sees you, and then you get put in leprechaun situations. So they'll say you're out of school, and 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 all the teachers didn't show up. So what do you do? <laughs> this, uh, or you're you're at a pep rally and the lights don't come on, or the team is running late. What do you do? And then, so you get put in these different situations and they're going to figure out how you're going to respond. Now, the other thing about the leprechaun mascot is that we don't wear like a, a big head. So you can see our faces. So you think about a lot of traditional mascots, you don't see who the person oh, is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So with the leprechaun, you see the person. And so one of the things that's tied into the tryout because of that, our mock interview question, where people, or there's a person who will be like a, a reporter and you'll get put through a different question as well. Should a woman be leprechaun? Should we fire our coach? <laughs> should we make the tournament? Like, uh, should Notre Dame be, you know, should they consider joining the Big Ten? Which is a question that we got all the time back then. And so you get put through these these questions and how you respond is something that's, that's judged, right? And I always knew, I can't, when I heard about some of the answers that some of these uh, other candidates were, were saying, because you can't hear what the other 
candidates are saying or what they're doing. So I just knew what I was saying. And I knew, I mean, this was to me, I was like, should we fire the coach? No, we're going to win. We're going to go to the next. It's like every question, should we make the tournament? You damn right, we should make the tournament. We should be able yeah, yeah. to see. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, uh, should we be joining the Big Ten? It's like, well, you know what? I'm going to let the commissioner of the Big Ten and our AD work that out. Here's what I'm doing. I don't care where we play. I don't care who we play. We're going to win. Yeah, basically <laughs> PR. Like, you were PR. Yeah. <laughs> and that that's without training. That's just, to me, like that's what came so natural. And it was just this, this, this optimism. I think this spirit of positive, you know, think, I think these are some of the things I think that were instilled in, in me that, that allow me to simply be me that, during that whole time. So I, I didn't have to turn on anything. It was just me. And at the end of the tryout, like I did feel good. I felt like I, I felt like I did well. Okay. I ain't gonna lie. I did, but I'll tell you the moment that I knew I was going to be at least one of them. They, uh, one of our quarterbacks the prior in the year, that, that, that prior football season, he got hurt. He was our star quarterback. So then the backup came in and we ended up, we didn't play well, okay? And so one of the, one of the questions that the, that the reporter asked me as part of my tryout was, man, we just lost our quarterback. He was one of our stars. What do you think? How's Notre Dame going to play? And look, this backup's going to come in and he's going to crush it. And I'm like, if he doesn't do well, we got a third string going to come in and he's going to crush it. And I said, if that guy doesn't do well, I played quarterback in high school. <laughs> I'll come in, I'll suit up, and I was like, and I'll get into the line. I'll say, ready, sub. Go, go, Iris, Iris, go, go, Iris, Iris. And man, it turned into a cheer. The crowd went crazy. It was just one of those moments, man, where like even right now, I feel it. It was just one of those moments where it was just like, wow, like this, I could do this. Like this is a like, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, I didn't practice that. It was all ad hoc. It was all just pure coming off. And I wasn't lying. I did play quarterback in high school, right? It was like, I was like, look, if it, if they can't do it, I'll go out there and do it myself. And so anyhow, that's one example of kind of just how I poured my own energy and spirit into the role and kind of made it my own uh, just by doing things like that, that came very natural to me. And they announced the winner that night. And it, you go at the time, there was no, it, we had email, but there was no social media posting. It was, none of that stuff was happening. But they put a little sheet of paper outside of the, the Joy Center, the personal pavilion right there. They said, Mike Brown, Varsity Leprechaun. I was like, wow, this is happening. <laughs> and I'm telling you, man, y'all, <laughs> the phone calls, the emails, the, the, the requests from so many media outlets for interviews, it, it just, it went crazy. And all in a positive way, right? It wasn't anything bad. It was just all people were really excited to see a black leprechaun get announced. And then my first game was the spring game uh, a couple of weeks after that. So that's where I dressed up for the first time in the suit. Uh, the Milwaukee Sentinel at the time, right? John Sentinel did an did a, a article on it, had my picture out there like in, in the newspaper. And it, it was just, it was an amazing just time <laughs> in my life. And it was a lot of fun. And that it just carried 
basically is carried through today <laughs> to be very open, honest, and candid about it because I'm literally today or now seeing people who were kids when I was a leprechaun where I'm seeing them again 20 some years later and they're like, man, you remember you, you were at this game. I've been at proposals. I've been part of birthdays. It, it, it's you. I've been part of like so many people's experiences through Notre Dame. I'm on mantles in people's houses. And this is not just me, it's a lot of leprechauns, right? But it's just amazing how those little engagements or interactions that you have with people, how much they can have an impact and influence on someone's life and how those moments can be so special to them. That's something I, I, I kept, I kept close to my heart during that entire time, right? I tried to sign every autograph I could, tried to take every picture I could. I tried to really embrace and appreciate every single moment that I was able to serve in the role. So I feel like I poured everything into it. And it was just, it was just a phenomenal experience. I didn't really take it, I didn't take it for granted. And I think that 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 showed uh, throughout my whole time there. And that's I think that's one of the reasons why. 20 some years later people still remember me from being in that role so. and so you know you you graduate and then you decide well you have some time in between um and then you started on book company right solster and could you just walk us through like you know what made you start this and like you know your your your, your process i guess of, of uh, beginning starting this company sure essentially solster is something that was born uh, in 2020, okay? So you think about everything I've talked about is all practically pre-2020. In 2020, you talk about boldness and confidence and, and the feeling of empowerment. I think that's the year where I took it to a different level, okay? I had most of my life, if you think about it, I worked I worked at Meta, M&I Data Services, Metavante slash FIS, over a span of 19 years is what it ended up being when you include my internships in different roles, but I was there for 19 years, Fortune 500 company, major organization. And then I go to Notre Dame, <laughs> you know, one of the top institutions in the, in the world uh, to do a job that they basically, I could have, I would have done for free to be candid with you. I was raising money for mainly student athlete uh, scholarships and athletic initiatives. And so I basically would have done that job for free if I needed to make an income. <laughs> so uh, I, I was loving it. But in 2020, as many people, I mean, everyone knows, right? We had a, a global health pandemic. A lot of uh, social injustices were heightened in terms of people being more aware, although people have been all their lives, but they were more aware of things that were going on that were just weren't right. And then there was a third thing that was a major thing. Oh, I wasn't traveling. I was home, right? You had a global health pandemic, a lot of social justices that were highlighted more. And then I wasn't traveling like I used to. It was all crazy, right? So I was actually home. And being home really just gave me more time to, to process, gave me more time to, to just think. And candidly, throughout all of that, throughout everything that was going on, I almost was paralyzed. I, I almost really got to a state of what should I be doing? <laughs> what is it that I could be doing to help with all these things that were going on? Oh, the election. That, that's the third thing. It was the election, right? Everybody was hating each other. 
spewing hate and negative vibes and evil just back and forth over social media and people's faces. People were empowered to do some crazy stuff. And so that was another thing that happened. But nonetheless, I, I, I tried to ask myself, myself, what can I do, right? I know I've got some talents. I know I've got gifts. I know that there's a reason why I'm here on this earth. I know that there's something I could do. I'm not out protesting. That ain't really like I'm not out marching, and you know that that wasn't that wasn't me. I'm not out on social media, you know, writing <laughs> all kinds of political commentary. I'm not on you know CNN or other stations, kind of touting you know different things. But what I discovered is that I could write, and one of my gifts was the gifts of 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 telling stories and i had a gift of getting stories out of people as well and it was all tied to me going deeper inside myself to figure out what my gifts were and i think that's something that's part of the journey that happened in 2020 as i said all right what are my gifts what are these things that i can do without even thinking about it okay and you talk about bringing energy you talk about bring in i can quickly earn trust with people people i don't even know right i meet them and they're immediately within a couple seconds i've earned trust i've established rapport they don't even try like i'm not even trying <laughs> it just that it happens but then i say well how does that happen and so i ask a lot of questions i'm very curious i'm, I'm genuinely curious about other people nonetheless that's one of my gifts and i call that being an invigorating force i'm an invigorating force so that's my one of my gifts then i was like what are my passions though I care about literacy. I care about wellness, getting better. I care about improving. <laughs> I, I care about people improving their lives and situations, getting better, right? Communities getting better. So I care about these things, literacy, all these things. Then I said, well, what's my purpose? What am I actually here to do? So I kind of broke out. I literally wrote out all these things and discerned all these different things. When it came to my purpose, I said, well, I'm here to be a, a cycle breaker. I'm here to be a cycle maker, right? Creator. And I'm here to be really a catalyst for for something good, for things that are good. And so you add all that up. And man, <laughs> I started a book back in February of 2020, before the pandemic, started writing a book. It's actually a book that I'm, I can talk about it now, but I interviewed 54 leprechauns in 2020. And I gathered all their stories. And I'm basically taking those stories and putting it into a book. Probably gonna be coming out in the fall of 2024. It's a lot. <laughs> and so that was part of a journey. Then, I haven't talked about this side of my life yet, but then on September 17th, okay, 2020, I'm in the middle of writing this book. I'm in the middle of figuring out why I'm here. I'm in the middle of figuring out just life. <laughs> and on September 17th, 2020, my late grandmother on my dad's side okay so everybody i've talked about so far all on my mom's side okay and my my, my paternal grandmother her name is janetta janetta simpson robinson and y'all might see her sign she's on she's got a sign the highway um that's dedicated to her it's janetta simpson robinson uh, highway memorial highway first woman first black woman ever have a state Highway named after her. 
true honor when they did the unveiling and installing of that sign on September 17th, her birthday in 2020. I watched it. I was sitting right here, right here, like right here <laughs> where I'm sitting right now watching it. And it was a very moving experience. And that experience essentially stirred my soul. So then I went deeper into what I could do. And one of the things with, with my grandmother is she started a, her and my great grandmother started a, an organization in Milwaukee. It was called Career Youth Development, CYD. And they had a number of social programs that helped people navigate with education, drug abuse. They helped a lot of kids that were, you know, try to get them from going back to jail or out of different institutions. So, so they, they, that pro, that, they were around for almost 30 years. And, but then unfortunately it, it dissolved. They had 40 different programs that they ran. It was, it was crazy. But what also happened with them is my, my cousin. And her name is Little Netta. So her nickname is Little Netta. Her name is also Janetta Robinson, but they call her Lil Netta. And then my aunt, Cheryl. So this is my grandmother's daughter and granddaughter. They were murdered back in 1984. It was April 4th, 1984. They were both, both murdered. And thinking about them being murdered, thinking about my grandmother losing her granddaughter and her daughter through a heinous murder, and then thinking about where what was happening that day on September 20th, 2020, and how her her love, her compassion, her resolve, her steadfast uh just dedication to bettering lives and, and in the community, even going through a tragedy like that. Like it didn't stop her from executing on these programs. As a matter of fact, she started multiple programs because of that like because of her daughter and granddaughter being murdered she started a families of victims of homicide support group and they met they met every week and i think they still meet every week to this day unfortunately because they have to because more people get murdered but that's something she started out of her daughter and granddaughter being murdered for her granddaughter lonetta she uh, started a program that was in her memory because little Netta at age six, okay, on her sixth birthday, which was December 27, 1980, okay, she turned six. And at her birthday party is when she ended up giving away her gifts to children at her party who didn't get gifts for Christmas. And so that was an act of kindness, compassion, empathy from a little girl who's six years old. And that's when they started a program to then give gifts to children in the Milwaukee area on December 25th. The program was called Gifts for Children Santa Forgot, but God Remembered Through Gifts of Love. So it's a long-winded answer, and I'll try to cut to it. But looking at what my grandmother did and how she was honored and the work she did after her grandmother, grand, granddaughter and daughter were murdered, I said, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to tell my cousin's story. And that really is what took it to a whole different level. I went for a run on September 20th. And during that run is when the idea to write a story about my cousin, Little Netta, 
uh, came to me. It's when the idea came to re-resurrect the program that was in her memory. And I wanted to do it all back in Milwaukee because I wanted the proceeds from the book to support this resurrected program. And, and that really was the, the, the time when the idea of a company came to mind. So think about it. I was writing this book before, but I wasn't going to publish it. I had never published a book. I, I, I was going to have somebody else do it. But with that particular story, with what I wanted to do with that story and how how special it was and how uh, it's a, you don't mess around with that. I mean, this is my real cousin who was murdered. I, I, I want to treat this with the utmost dignity, with the utmost respect. And I want this done really, really well. And so that's when the concept of actually having a company uh, ended up becoming, right now, it's more we do a lot more publishing than anything else, but that's where the idea of having a company started. And the rest kind of is history. Because once I had that idea, I literally came home, wrote it all out, talked to my dad about it. And that's what got things rolling. We found a partner in United Way. I learned everything about public, not everything. I learned a lot about, I found a publishing mentor, learned a lot from him about what to do. I need an editor, I need an illustrator, I need a designer. So I found out all the things that go into creating a book. And then boom, I announced the book the following year, published it December 27th, 2021. And then the program uh, was also uh, launched that, that year where we gave out gifts to children at three different schools in Milwaukee. And so it was about 800 kids that got gifts that year and they all got a free copy of the book, Will Netta's Gift. And so that's kind of, that, that's been the template. That's been the, that's been the foundation of this company that I ended up naming Soulster. And so we create soul stirring experiences that enrich lives by inspiring empowerment and action. And I, those words are very, very, they're very intentional because I call it soul stirring experiences and not just soul stirring books because I think there's other experiences that we're ultimately going to create through this through this company. Okay. There's experiences that you can have that are soul stirring that happen through music. You think about songs you listen to and how they just they move you. It doesn't matter what kind of song it is, man, but there's some things that you, know, you just hear something drop. It's just like, man, that's my jam. Or, you know, it, it just has you, it takes you to a different place. You could be at a theater and it could be something that you watch, man. It just moves you. You could be watching something. It's, there's all kinds of ways in which I think your soul can be stirred. And I want to create that magic. I want to create those experiences that hopefully stir people's souls. But I, hopefully it also inspires them to feel empowered. Hopefully it inspires them to know that they have gifts within them to do something and to take action, but then to also do it. And so I try to be, I try to create these things, but and right now they're mainly through books. And you know, speaking engagements, got my own podcast as well, reflections and encouragement, but it, it's all these experiences that um, I'm trying to not just create, but I'm also trying to live it out as well. And I think the fact that I am doing it, the fact that I, I am from Milwaukee, I didn't grow up from a, I call it low income, high love type family. But the fact that I had a village, thankfully around me, the fact that I had a 1.7 GPA uh, it, 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 when I was in middle school, uh, the fact that I, I've had the opportunity to go to a school like Notre Dame, to work for different global companies, to 
to to be engaged directly and form you know very deep relationships with people who are millionaires uh, it's been something that i think has all led right to this moment because now i'm in a position where i have some resources to to execute on some of these things i've got knowledge right that i've gained over all this time that i could apply to run my own company and that's what happened and so i had to make a, a tough choice where as the company was growing as i, I published a second book called the leprechauns game day Notre dame that's the book that covers my experience as a leprechaun on a game day. It's a fun children's book that was exciting. You all are getting a copy, so act surprised, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're getting a copy of both books. Act surprised when you get them. But those are all things that it just got to a point where as I was getting invited now to speak at more events, to visit more schools, to come talk to different organizations where I just honestly couldn't do both. I couldn't serve the university in the way that it deserves to be served while also living out a mission that was part of my life mission now right and doing some things through my company where i have a more direct impact i'm directly in front of children i'm directly in front of children who don't necessarily see people who look like me who run their own companies and whatnot you all have a lot of guests man that, that are crushing it i listen to some of these episodes people in real estate i mean attorneys like you name it everybody's crushing it and I think more children of all backgrounds need to see people like us out here doing our thing. Um, I need you to put on like your OG hat for me for a second. If, I'm, right. just, if I'm, right. <laughs> if I'm just telling you I'm, I'm early to mid career, and I'm trying to find my way. How I, I want that. I want that. That where you're talking with conviction. Like, how did you, how did you arrive arrive at that? How how did you find your purpose? Like. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I say, I go back to 2020. I hate to say it, but that's what happened. I'm 43, okay? Y'all some young, y'all are younger bucks, but I'm 43 years old, right? I, I've had a, a decent life. You know what I mean? I, I've been, I've had a lot of grace. I, I've had God extend to me a lot of mercy because I've messed up a lot. I've made some very bad decisions that put me in very tough spots. But I've had a lot of grace meeting people like Mike Peterson, right? Um, having at least a loving home, even though we didn't have a lot of things, you know what I mean? So I've had a lot of grace from that perspective, grace of going another day, the grace of uh, having a great job through through FIS. Uh, I've had a lot of grace, but then I've also had a lot of mercy. But what I'm trying to say is it, it was, <laughs> while there were ups and downs through it, it was a pretty steady, uh, again, there, there are ups and there are highs and lows, but it was pretty steady. I didn't give a lot of thought into my gifts, my purpose, my passions. I didn't, I didn't really take time to discern those things, right? Throughout most of my life, if you really, really, if I really break it down, I never sat down and wrote, okay, why am I here? <laughs> and really sat down and just said, all right, there are things I really do care about. I'm like, man, I think it's so important that people read. I think it's so important because it's, like, it's a superpower. It's the foundation of education. Like, I, you know what I mean? So I didn't really sit down and do that until two and a half years ago. Like, it's crazy. I hate to, hate to say it. So now, if you ask me what I would tell someone who's also been extending a lot of grace, right, who's had some mercy, 
who's still alive and still here doing their thing, is to really find that time to, as you're growing, as you're learning, as you're making mistakes, because we change, right? We, we learn more and we hopefully learn from our experiences, but to give yourself some space to really think about what are the things that are important in your life? What are the things that, that you, that you have a passion for, right? Mm -hmm. And then what's your, what's your goal uh, with Soulstar? Is it to sell more books? Is it to, you know, ultimately become a media company? Like what is, what does success look like uh, for you to the extent you can share? Yep. So think Disney, think Hallmark, think, uh, I mean, think big y'all. I mean, no one knew what Disney was really, right? It's a guy's last name and Hallmark, what that name kind of came out of nowhere. So I think Soulstar will be, um, I think initially more media centric. Because uh, you look at books, for example, and how there there's audio books, there's uh, e-books that can all derive from that. There's other things that are all tied to books, but then you've got uh, music, right? Which is a, another soul-stirring experience that you have. So I've got a, a whole uh, music group that I'm starting through through the company as well, which will have a lot of different subdivisions, et cetera. So, uh, and so. Yeah, it, and it just continues to expand from there. I think, well, I know <laughs> I'll be doing a lot more uh, public speaking, a lot more consulting, and just building things around that. So not where it's not just me speaking, but there'll be an entire speakers speakers bureau where you know when you work with speakers from Soulstir, you know you're gonna get your soul stirred uh, in in some way. Right? Well, where can um where can the people find you, and how can they get you know? you know, access to your books and everything that you have going on. Yes. So uh, access to the books and everything. It's soulsterbooks.com. S-O-U-L-S-T-I-R books.com. And I'll take you to all the books and also other initiatives that we're doing through Soulster. It's Soulster Co. Uh, on, on Instagram and on Facebook. And then I put a lot of my stuff, like my direct stuff, under Black Left One. And so I kept that from back in the day. B L uh, K L E P one, the le the number one. So B L B L K L E P one is where I am on Instagram, on Twitter, and then Mike Brown on just on Facebook and, and LinkedIn. I, I genuinely appreciate you taking the time. Um and I and I know we're gonna continue to talk because we continue to talk ever since we first met at the yeah. bar and we just had that whole conversation about growing up on right. our side you know and i think yeah. to see to see like us like black men like even when i met you i knew like i can make it out another day you know like because i met oh, you yeah. and i think i think it's important that we share our stories and we continue to give back and do what we can to help like kids like us grow up 